Welcome to the Just Do It podcast, hosted by Anne Duffy. Dental Entrepreneur Women is here to dive deep and share stories with the mission to inspire, highlight, empower, and connect all women in dentistry. Hello, everyone. It is Anne Duffy, and this is the Just Do It podcast. I'm so glad that you're with us today, and I'm so excited to have really a special guest. She's a new friend. And as we talked a little bit before we got started here, uh, good dues find good dues. And some some of her friends are some of my friends and they were at our, at our retreat this past weekend. So um, it just goes to show that the, the world is connected and good people do find good people. So um, her story just touched me. I, I met um, Parole at Dentistry's Got Talent in Nashville and uh, heard her story. And I had heard about her story from other people, but had never had the opportunity to meet this amazing woman. And um, when I, when we actually met, I was like, oh my gosh, please share your story with our do readers. And I hope that you will read this edition cover to cover, but especially the story that she wrote for all of you and for all of us. Dr. Parole Dua Makar is the owner of PDM Family Dental in Long Island, New York, a place she resides with her husband and two boys, 10 and 13. Dr. McCarr's life took a different trajectory when she lost her only and younger sibling, Dr. Manu Dua, to oral cancer last year. He was a dentist as well. Since his death, she devotes her time educating doctors and patients alike about risk factors, prevention, and advocating for early diagnosis of oral cancer. She has co-authored several dental journals, has been presenting lectures to dentists, and has been a guest on several podcasts besides her own podcast. She is the recipient of the Denobi Awards 2022, as well as La Excellence in Healthcare 2022. She has also co-authored, is also co-author of the book, Life Interrupted, Dr. Dua's Survival Guide. She could be reached at parole-dua at yahoo.com. And we will go over that again at the end of this podcast. I am so honored to have you with us today. Please help me welcome Dr. Parole Dua Makar. Thank you for Aww. joining us. Thank you, Anne. That was so sweet. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here, and I've heard such wonderful things about the retreat, and I truly, genuinely miss being there because of that presenting. <laughs> oh, well, you're a busy do. You're a busy do, and when we met, you you told me, oh, I'd love to come, but I'm presenting, and that's, you know, that's that's what we, we champion. We champion you for what you're doing and what you're you're spreading um, around the world to to bring up awareness of oral cancer. And I'm I just I'm so thrilled to to know you and to hear your heartfelt story because I, you know, I'm, I'm one of five. And when I heard your story, your little bro, your little brother, and um, you know how you lost him. And it's just, it's, it's just so heart wrenching. And, and here we are in the dental arena and um, you know, it's, it's gotta have been a tough road for you because we should be able to, to, to do something about this. Right. And here we are. Yeah, That's the irony. That is the irony. That is the irony. So tell our readers, tell our listeners, you know, tell us the story, walk us through, you know, how, how you and, and uh, Manu 
um, grew up, where you grew up, mm-hmm. your little bit of your life when, when, sure. you know, as, as a boy and as a sister, um, and, and how everything transpired. Sure. So, um, I was born in India and, uh, when I was about seven, we moved to Abu Dhabi, which is in the United Arab Emirates. Manu was born there. So we're about eight years apart, almost eight years. So I remember bringing him home to the hospital, wanting a little baby sister, but I got a baby brother. So I'm like, <laughs> well, I guess this will do. <laughs> and, and I've watched him grow up. Uh, when I graduated um, high school, I moved to Oklahoma and my parents migrated to Canada. So I finished my schooling, undergrad and dental school in Oklahoma itself and moved to Calgary to be with my parents and my brother. So when I graduated dental school, he graduated high school and he went off to college and I started working. And then uh, he followed my footsteps and got into dentistry. He did um, three years of undergrad and started dental school in 2008. I graduated, uh, sorry, I got married and moved to New York and he graduated UBC uh, in Calgary, uh, sorry, in Vancouver. And uh, yeah, we, dentistry united us because we grew up in two different parts of the world. We grew up with two different sets of parents. Uh, We um, had different interests, um, different life experiences. You know, I lived on my own. He lived at home for college. And then as we grew older, dentistry defined us or united us. We took courses together. We took, we went to DR together. We would discuss cases. He's like, oh, check out this endo I did. Check out, um, you know, this is a cool case I had. And so, in fact, for my 40th birthday, he his gift to me was my curing lights, which I still use. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What, what a great gift. That's like giving a... <laughs> I don't know. That's like a, a typical man gift for go, go, yeah. way to go, man. It's like, you know, no perfume. It's like, it's a vacuum cleaner, but a curing light. Okay. Thank you. But yeah. yeah curing so light. He's like, you can use this. Oh, but, but this is how much dentistry meant played a you. role in our lives. Yes. Yeah. And, um, he started his practice just before I did. So in 2016, he built from, from scratch and that's where he was on the dental town and cover in 2019. And I started mine just before COVID in late of 2018. So he walked me through building my practice because I was, my kids were really young at that time. I didn't have that much time to do research. I was working at another practice that I was looking to leave and branch out to my own startup. So I didn't have time on my hand, which he had lots of. And he's like, I've done this. I know what to do. I'll tell you, you know, this is what you buy. These are the lights. Don't get overhead. You know, things that he had tried and error. Um, so he's like, I'll save you time. This is what you should do. And he helped with everything from the design till we opened and he got to see it before he passed. So, yeah. What a good good little brother. I mean, he's supporting you. And I just think that's so sweet. No wonder you were so, you know, so close because eight years is a little bit of a gap there. Um, but like you said, the, the common thread of dentistry and then just his enthusiasm for the profession and helping his, his big sis navigate, uh, you know, what's the the waters of ownership and practice. Yeah, that was great. We actually took a bunch of courses together and he was my partner in DR. We learned how to place implants together. So it was great. Um, but you know, and this is what defined us, um, our, 
bond as a sister brother more than anything else because of how our lives were and we lived apart for so many of their years like I left home to the United States at 17 and he was 10 still in Middle East he migrated to Canada in his early teens I wasn't there to help him through a lot of that journey which is hard you know new country new we went from a desert to a tundra so you know one of the things um in 2019, how his cancer came about, he, this was June, the summer of 2019, he was about to turn 32, 2019, yeah, and uh, he told me about this lesion on his tongue, and he said, hey, this has been bothering me for some time, it hurts, I can't eat, I looked at it, and um, that picture is, you know, I've chronicled it in a, in a bunch of articles, because I want people to be, you know, seeing what we're looking at. And it was ulcerated, ill-defined borders. And he's like, it's been bothering me. I think it's lichen planus. And my oral surgeon friend has given me uh, steroids for it. And he was on steroids for about a month. And I said, okay, this does not look like lichen planus to me because it wasn't something bilateral. It was just one area on the lateral border of his tongue. And I showed it to five other oral surgeons, just this WhatsApp picture. And I said, you know, what do you guys think? And everybody hands down said, this is oral cancer. So this was June, July, I visit Calgary every year. So I flew down again and I said, let me see your tongue. And this lesion had been ulcerated and it was just half of it was this, I cannot even, Describe how it looked. It looked scary. Uh, he couldn't talk. He couldn't walk. Uh, sorry, he couldn't um, eat certain things. It hurt. Um, there was a little bit of a speech issue as well. And I said, why have you not biopsied this? I mean, this is silly. You got your wisdom teeth pulled out because they thought it was something to do with the wisdom teeth. So he's got wisdom teeth pulled out. He's got other dental work done, but never a biopsy. He's like, no, they're monitoring. They're monitoring it. I'll do the biopsy after you leave. I didn't want to do the biopsy while you guys are visiting. I want to spend time with you. He had taken a week off work. And I said, all right, fine. Biopsy, you know, let me know. And, you know, this brown, leathery, ulcerated, literally just the half of his tongue. And uh, I gave him one of those looks like, seriously. <laughs> and then he did biopsy it. And this was pre-COVID. It was diagnosed as a stage two squamous cell carcinoma with lymph node involvement. And he had an eight hour surgery in August. They really expedited it. And um, they did a lymphectomy. They took out a few lymph nodes. They did a partial glossectomy. Half his tongue was removed. They did a graft from his left arm, a skin graft on his thigh. Eight hours, extensive surgery with numerous specialists. And he recovered phenomenally. He actually flew down to see me that September and he had bought in a Porsche because he's like, you know, I've got cancer. I'm not going to wait till I'm old. So he flew down and he was so excited. He's like, I'm going to go shopping and get some new clothes for my ride. And that's when he saw my practice and I, you know, which I had just initially started. And he was back to seeing patients in October. And I think that's, you know, I didn't think he got the time to rest his body after such an extensive treatment. And then the mental stress of owning a practice. He was a sole practitioner. Just, um, he was getting fatigue, tiredness, numbness of his left arm. So he started to scale back a little bit and COVID hit mm. in 2020. And 
that's when he went for a filling and he had another swelling in his neck. And that came back positive for squamous cell carcinoma. So the suggestion was because he never got chemo radiation after initial surgery, it was that they didn't go deep enough to get all the cancer cells. And this is such a, you know, once it's in the lymph node, you really want to radiate or really get into make sure all the margins are clean and the cancer recurred within eight months of initial diagnosis. So he went for another surgery and uh, we had just lost our maternal grandmother. Um, and after this, he got another round of chemo radiation during his 34th birthday. And that's the time he also decided to quit dentistry. So April, he got a surgery, they did a chest CT, they found a ground glass opaque lesion on his left lung. They said, we're just gonna monitor it because it was like less than a centimeter by centimeter. So they said, we'll just watch it, it's COVID, it's, it could be an infection because he had a small cough. So they left it, uh, it was too small to biopsy either way. And he was getting chemo radiation. 34th birthday and um, he did great. He, uh, he sold his practice. He started writing because during time of COVID, he couldn't talk to friends. So a lot of his cancer therapy was alone. Like my parents would drop him at the airport, uh, at the hospital and then just pick him up. They couldn't be with him. So he had to have some amazing internal strength to go through all this treatment alone. There was nobody allowed it, yeah, doctor's visits, none of that. And he bounced back. Um, he did, he started kayaking after chemo radiation. He was done in July. Um, practice sale was complete. So, you know, he's like, I'm going to live my life. Um, he would do outdoor activities, golfing with friends, take out his Porsche for a drive. And he did phenomenal. And I hadn't gone to see him through any of it because we were in New York and which is the epidemic of COVID at this right. point, Canada and shut borders. You can't get into Canada. Yeah, it's, I can't believe Canada. this all through COVID, gosh. Yes, and my parents were such at loss because they're, you know, our, we lost our uh, paternal grandmother to cancer. So cancer wasn't a stranger in our lives. And my dad had seen his only parent go through it and so having to see his only son go through this um, was very hard and challenging and you know watching their only son deteriorate but he was doing good in the summer and we were all happy and I'm like okay this is great when borders get lifted I'll come I, you know he wasn't vaccinated my parents weren't vaccines weren't around at that time and fast forward to November he goes in for a follow-up chest CT, which has been delayed because April was supposed to be six months in October, COVID delayed it to November. They saw the lesion had grown four times the size. And now we had to biopsy in December. And that's when he called me. I was coming back from work and he said, you know what? This lesion has grown four times. They are gonna biopsy it, but this is metastatic and I'm okay to die. For my 34-year-old brother to tell me that, I was like, no, 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 you're not dying. We're going to have to biopsy this. Mm, this could gosh. be, you know, let me talk to this doctor. Let me talk to this. Let me do research. I'm trying to find a solution as we all try to, you know, and uh, he's like, no, this is metastatic. I'm pretty sure this is cancer. And um, but my biopsy is December 7th. Don't worry. We'll see. But I'm okay with it. I've accepted this. 
And again, this courage from this, you know, for me, he's my baby brother. I'm like, oh my goodness. And, and, you know, it's so hard to navigate through it all because I'm like, how, who do I support? My parents? I don't know what's going on. Do I stay here? Do I go? So I said, okay, let's just see how things go. The biopsy never happened because a week prior to the biopsy, December 1st, he had trouble breathing and my parents uh, called and said, you know, he's coughing a lot. We're having dinner. We're going to take him to the ER. And they found fluid in his lungs. Um, they finally did the PET scan. They found metastasis down to his pelvic bone on the left side. Oh, uh, metastasis in entire lung lining. They said this is non-operable at this point. And a um, few visits later, like he was in and out of the hospital to get fluid drained because he was getting fluid buildup every day. It was a week before they put in a Plurex to drain the fluid out of him. That's when I flew down because my friends who are in the medical field said, he does not have time. You need to go now, like drop everything, find a way. I shut my practice a week to travel and a week to quarantine. I was not vaccinated. I had to get a compassion release from the government of Canada, which is special permission, only valid for a month. Uh, PCR testing all of that. And then I flew, did not even have him see my face because I had a mask on the entire time. I was so worried for him. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't have the meals in the same room as him. I'd be like, I'll have my meal and then come back, <laughs> you know, because, oh. and this brother of mine who played, uh, you know, rugby for high school, he was provincial, their team was provincial winners. He was active. He was squash, um, tennis, golfing, couldn't walk, couldn't talk barely a sentence or two because the fluid built up. He was draining about a liter of fluid a day. And I'm like, let me take you out for a drive. He's like, no, the cold air hurts me. I cannot go take fresh air because Calgary is cold in December. So, and I said, you know, what, uh, what do you want to do? We didn't talk about death. Death was like this elephant in the room. We were very aware of it, but we didn't want to deal with it. And I said, you know, you should travel. We, we had a trip planned as a family in April of 2020, which got canceled due to COVID. It was our trip to Hawaii. And I said, yeah, we'll go again as a family. We'll have everything planned. And he's like, yeah, I'll take it slow. I really want my writings to be published because he had been, that's his only outlet. There was, you know, friends were, now it's cold. So people were not even stopping by to come before people would come and do outdoor um, meetings. I couldn't do anything for him, take him to the doctors or make appointments or be there for his visits or get him even an earlier diagnosis. I said, all right, this is, I can do this. I'll do this for you. So I got a publisher and I told him, I'm like, they're very interested. Let's get you, let, give me all your stuff and I'll get this going. He's like, why are you in a rush? I got time. And he was in and out of the hospital because He's got cell necrosis, so he's got um, you know high potassium levels, high calcium, high white blood cells, infection, so on and so forth. He's constant in and out. February, end of February, he called and he said he was in the hospital. He's like, you know, my chessboard site. They had to change it because the initial one wasn't done correctly, and uh, they moved it. But there is swelling on the initial site, and plastics wants to drain it before they drain it, they want to biopsy it. And I'm waiting for the biopsy, but it's, you know, once he got the biopsy results, he's like, this is cancer. So I'm gonna get radiation treatment for this. 
He was already going through immunotherapy. At this point, by February of 21, he was getting at-home palliative care. He was on medical marijuana. He had a hospital bed at home. Um, drainage was still happening with his palliative nurse. And basically, it was just home care, you know, getting him time and keeping him comfortable. So I said, okay, you finish, I will come see you. And I booked my tickets for March 20th. And same thing, I had to do the whole application for the compassion release. I was not vaccinated. My parents weren't, Manu wasn't. And uh, same thing, I had shut my practice. Uh, you know, I organized the schedule. And then a week before I was to travel, March 13th on Friday, he called me. My dad called me and said, hey, Manu's got a unilateral, like just one leg swelling. And, you know, he's coughing a lot. We're just going to take him in. And this was so standard at this point. There was nothing out of the ordinary. They're like, don't bother him. He's going to be probably sedated. They're going to keep him overnight. Just call tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, sure. No worries. And because I had known the prognosis was just deteriorating, I have another friend who had gone to a similar situation, losing her only brother, same age. We were all friends. And she's on my podcast and also a fellow dentist. And she told me he's going to die very soon. He's not going to make it to his 35th birthday. And I'm like, you're kidding. I, I don't think so. So I had already told my brother my piece because I didn't know what time would hold for us. But that day, I, you know, it was just like, okay, he's going to the hospital. No biggie. The next day I called, I was at work on a Saturday and in the middle of the day, my dad said, we're can't talk right now. We're meeting with the entire palliative team. I'll call you later. And I kind of knew things were not good at this point. And I'm still, I'm at work and I still have to like refocus my energy to treating the rest of my day, knowing my brother is dying and mm. in another country. Um, and then I finished work and I called and my mom said what she told my dad 30 odd years ago uh, when my mother, my grandmother was passing. My mom said, get here if you can. He's not going to make it for another week because my, this was 14th of, uh, 13th of February, uh, sorry, 13th of March. And my flight was for the 20th. He's like, he's not going to make it for a week. You need to get here. And I said, I'll do everything in my power. I uh, got a PCR test that night. I couldn't get the results in time, but Sunday morning, uh, but I'd done my PCR. They don't take rapid. You have to have the actual. Mm -hmm. Sunday, my mom called me and she's like, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I'm driving. She's like, pull over, say goodbye to him. And I said goodbye to him, just how you and I are talking. And he was sedated. He kept saying, I love you. And I said, Manu, let go. You know, there is, uh, you don't need to wait for me. I'll get there. I promise I'll be there just let go you're done you're done fighting it's okay to go and I was I think very hard and very important hard for me important for him to hear um once I did that I was trying to call the Canadian consulate it's a Sunday I'm like anywhere you can expedite anything I called my PCP she came on her day off to get me a rapid like um, turnaround time with the lab to get my PCR, got my flight for Monday. And that Sunday night while I was packing, I told my kids good night. I'm like, you know, mom's going to be gone when you guys are at school. 
I got to go to the to see Mamu, you know, their uncle. And uh, I got that call that he's no more. And it was late at night. My parents were by themselves and they left him at the morgue and came home. And I think those are like the darkest hours. And, and I'm just staring at the phone and, and my husband's holding on to me. And I'm like, I can't do anything. I lost the battle. Can't. And so the next day it was just processing. Tra I traveled alone because my flight was alone. My husband, you know, he didn't have the paperwork. Um, he didn't have his flight because he was like, you just go first. I'll join you on my original day. And, uh, you know, my dad couldn't. He's like, I can't process, you know, planning a funeral, picking a casket, um, going to the funeral home, planning all of those details. My mom couldn't pick out a suit for him to be uh, cremated in. She's like, can you just go to his closet and pick something out? And so all these little things I could, whatever I could do, I did. Uh, when I entered his house on that Tuesday, there was the article, the Dentaltown magazine, which he had initially talked about his surgery uh, in 2019. He talked about leaving dentistry this way out. And that's in the book, Life Interrupted. Um, you know, it's just so surreal. I walked into his house and everything's there. The Legos that are unmade, his blanket, his medication, food, you know, everything's there. It's just him. He's not there. Mm. And I just, and I'm like, did he just go on a trip and leave us a mess behind? You know, it was oh, that kind of feeling. Not big like, sister. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, oh no, he's never coming back. This is goodbye because I didn't see him physically go um, I didn't get to see the body for until it was prepped so it was very surreal and it was I felt life interrupted and you know I got to his writings and I reflected on all his words and he called it his survival guide and I said all right um he had a website do a good job that was his thing and and this was his survival guide and so that's that's how the name of the book comes so that's where my feelings at that point in life and um I got it together and I said if anything I could do for you was this and so be it and uh yeah that's where the book and the writing oh my gosh Oh, it's so, yeah. it, it's such a beautiful legacy for your brother. And, and he, he just even in, in the midst of his pain and knowing what's ahead of him, that he would be able to write something so beautiful and so helpful for others about life, life yeah. interrupted. He yeah. was wise beyond his years. Um, and I guess very much you got to get to know him even more so than while you're reading his words what he wrote on a daily basis. Um, I know that'll help so many. And I think it's so important for you to talk about this because it's going to help other people. They're going through that. We know that. And I think especially poignant because you're in dentistry and why, why does this have to happen? It's just, it's, it's just surreal when it happens to a dentist, a young dentist that you can't think this can't possibly, this can't That's possibly happen, but yes, his life was interrupted. And so was yours. And so were your mom yeah. and dad's and especially during COVID. This is, it's just, um, it's, it's so, yeah. so sad. Uh, how do you, how do you get over this and how does it, how does 
you're how do you become resilient and able to change the the um the trauma that you've experienced the trauma that you've seen in your mom and dad and your kids and your families you know the the thing is i can't change whatever happened and because we moved so many places i was always a new kid i've changed so many schools and apartments and cities that our nuclear family was it. It was just always the four of us against the world, but it made us so adaptable to change. I know I couldn't, I learned early on that I could not rely on having like my grandparents around. They lived in a different country. I didn't have cousins around. It was me, my parents, even my best friend down the street changed ever so many years, you know, even through college and dental school and then moving to Calgary. And then I moved to New York. Like I never had that stagnant uh, group of friends and I always had to keep changing and building new relationships so you know a lot of our strength comes internally because we always had to change and that resilience comes from there I watched my parents go through those changes as well adapting to new circumstances new situations new countries and um, so we just as a family I think learned it and you don't realize that how your life has changed and molded you and where it will help you, you know, resist as you get older. Like those things made me realize, okay, now this has happened. Uh, and it took me a long time to process, even like after processing the funeral, I had never watched any of my family members um, funeral before me. My grandparents were always in a different country when they passed. So Manu's was the first funeral I attended. That was my family. And it was just so surreal that I don't think it hit me till like almost months later, like, oh my God, this is what I did. You, you know, your mind just goes through this process or you're just in this autopilot, like, all right, I got to do this. I got to do this. And I got to process this later. And you push it aside. And then slowly you take the time and you allow yourself to heal. And, you know, I had to do therapy. I, I got um, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, um, a lot of friend support, uh, learning to say no. You know, there were certain happy situations, somebody's wedding or somebody's, like I remember it was my husband's uh, family's big celebration of some sort of his cousin's fat side. And I said, I can't be there. I'm just, it was three months after Manu's death. And I was like, I just, can't bring myself to be happy right now because I don't have it and learning to acknowledge that and being okay with it and saying, no, I'm not ready. I'll be there when I'm ready. And that's such a hard thing to do. Sometimes you want to be there for, for others and you're just emotionally are not, and you don't want to bring your negative uh, energy to a happy situation either. So learning those things along the way. Um, so learning to say no, learning to self-rely, learning to accept help and ask for help. You know, there's so many times I've broken down and, you know, things need to be done. Dishes need to be put away or laundry needs to be done. And I'm like, I just physically can't because I'm so emotionally drained of energy and, and allowing myself to heal and sleep and cry and scream and all of those things, letting it out because harboring it inside, just, it will eat you up. Yes. Yeah. And it's so beautiful that you've, you've recognized that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about why you're sharing your story, honestly, parole, because it's okay to be sad. It's okay to, to heal in your own way. Cause everybody heals differently. And, um, 
and it's so beautiful. You speak about your husband, how he's your rock and, and how wonderful that you've created your own family um, that is modeling after your, the family you grew up in of being able to rely on each other, rely on um, the strength and the love that you, you give, give and have been given to. How is it with your, your friends? You, you mentioned, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like we all, like when this is happening and, and we know people, we, we know people that are going through similar circumstances, not maybe oral cancer, but certainly, you know, uh, family loved ones that are, that are having treatments and, you know, maybe the prognosis doesn't look good. What would you say is, is the best way to, to reach out? Because sometimes I think we don't reach out because we don't know what to say, but having been through that, what would, what would help you or what do you feel like you've learned that you can do for somebody that might be in your circumstance right now? Um, you know, one of the biggest things was I was given space. Uh, people reached out to me and said, Hey, we're there for you. But sometimes it's not during the process. Like when you're in the midst of it, you're, you're just trying to navigate through everything and you're trying to navigate whatever needs to be done. And it's after the event has passed that you need the help. You know, it's checking in. Like, it's easy to say, I'm so sorry. I know what you're going through. No, you don't, unless you've gone through it yourself. You really don't. You don't know the magnitude of the grief. And saying that, I don't know what you're going through, but I may not be able to understand your pain, but no, I'm here for you. And after all of that's done and still checking in, hey, are you okay? Are you having a good day? Do you need anything? Can I help you? Um, maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's just a year. Maybe it's picking up laundry. Maybe it's just some small insignificant thing you may think, but it makes a matter of a difference. And it's those connections after um, that make the most of the difference than during. Yeah. So even that after support. The after support. And I, I do love that. Um I think that's so important because I do think you're right. You, during the middle of it or during the midst of it, when you're planning everything and you just can't even keep up with everything, right? It's just, you are on autopilot because it was on your shoulders. And I know you also mentioned that, you know, life isn't fair. I mean, you have, you, you have to take care of your brother and then also you're the only child now for your mom and your dad. Right. So yes. um, I think that is, um, something that you, you, you will look to and, and gay and, 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 and um, draw from the strength that you had to do this for them. And you'll be able to do it again for other people. But I also think that that's so good for our, our listeners to hear it's after, after the dust settles, after everything is fine. And, and that goes on for a long time. Like what, you know, how are you doing today? And um, it's interesting at the retreat, we had a one of the speakers and, and someone commented that, you know, give me a number and how are you today? And we, we put that in the do crew just this week. Like, what's your number? Is it a 10, which is great. Or is it a five? And if it's a five, how can I help you? What can I do for you today? Um, I think it's really important to be in tune. And then also what I've learned from you just today is that you surround yourself with, with loving friends and women in your life that know you, that lift you up and that will be there for you. And I think as women, we so often don't ask for what we need. And I hope that this, this, this recording today will, will resonate with those that are listening that, you know, 
you just have to ask. It's it's truly the small things with with great love that make the difference, and yeah. um, they build up one on the other. So we are just so thankful for you to share your story. I it's it's, I mean, the takeaways for the dental arena. It's like, boy, don't don't sit on those things, right? I mean, I guess that's one of the things um, to, to take away. We just have to be more vigilant. And, um, and Manu would love that. I mean, he would love the fact that we're talking about him today, that his legacy is yeah. carrying on, that we are going to spread his life. And I, I hope that everyone that is listening will, will get this book and you can get this on, on Amazon, Life yes. Interrupted, Dr. Dua's Survival Guide by Dr. Manu Dua. Um, and it is on Amazon. Is that correct, Peru? It's on Amazon. You can order at any bookstore. Uh, Walmart carries it. Uh, you can order it on Barnes and Noble, but yeah, it's available, but Amazon's the best way. And uh, people can reach me. I just wanted to make a correction. It's my first name, D-A-R-U-L underscore D-U-A at, at yahoo.com. Yeah. Uh, but I'm always here uh, because of what I've been through and I've had the people support me that were not necessarily my closest of friends. I got to develop relationships. Um, so, you know, people who have walked similar paths have reached out and that plays a huge role knowing somebody who's gone through it. It makes, makes it a little easier to share the burden. Well, you're, you're going to be making a big difference in the world by sharing Manu's story and, um, and sharing it with us and sharing it on your podcast and tell us what the name of your podcast is so that we can also listen, because you, I, I love that also, um, you spoke about this in your article that hearing and having guests on that were his friends that knew him gave you a whole understanding about what a great guy, what a great young man, um, he was. And again, that his life is going to live on his legacy is going to live on. Um, yeah. what, what, what is the name of the podcast? And tell us a little bit about how that started. Sure. So it's called Dr. Dua's Survival Guide, the podcast companion. It's on iTunes, Apple, any other store that you want. But the podcast was actually, uh, it came around because I had spoken to Dr. Deanna Harris, and she's a dentist out in California. And she had me uh, first interviewed me for her podcast. Um, but my um, my pot the podcast is my loops are up here. That's her podcast. But um, you know, she's like, this needs more. Yeah. And she's like, would you do a podcast? And I said, I this is not my realm. This is not my thing. I have no idea. She's like, I'll produce it. I'll do everything for you. You just take care of uh, you. And I said, okay. Um, I'm sorry. Her podcast, if you can make that correction, is dentistry for the rest of us. Um, I. I got introduced from my loops are here to hers, which is dentistry for the rest of us. And then we came on to this. And um, so I asked a few of his closest friends, all these people who have been interviewed are um, either dentists, uh, specialists, or um, they are um, doctors. Uh, one is a hospitalist and one is an ER doctor. The ER doctor actually, Manu and him, uh, went to undergrad together and he went to medical school and Manu went to dental school. And so all of them are his closest. Uh, the initial one is actually Howard Brand. Howard and uh, Manu shared a very special bond. He was on Howard's podcast in 2017 and the cover 
um, he started his cancer journey with Dental Town. He was very vocal. Money was very vocal about sharing. And so I'm just carrying this journey. So it was very apt that Howard be one of the guests. Of course. And um, yeah, they're all dentists who, and they talk about different aspects of their friendship as well as their life. Um, you know, and everybody's very different. Some are women, some are men, um, older, younger. There's somebody older than me and some that are younger, uh, but they were all, uh, what united us was the bonding with Manu. And it's just very interesting conversations that I had. And it gave me a different facet that, you know, I know him as um, a little brother, but he was also a man with his ideas and his own beliefs and, you know, and how his friendships were. It's, it's a different relationship with friends than older sisters. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my gosh. He, he's, he's looking down. He's so proud of you. And it's just, oh, thank it's, you. it's beautiful. I, I'm, I can't wait to listen to more of those podcasts and hear more about him because he, he is, he is continuing to change lives and his legacy lives on through you. So you and your kids and, and your hubby. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your story, Pearl. It was beautiful absolutely beautiful. And, um, and it, we did give, we, one of our fundraisers at, um, the do retreat is the oral cancer cause. And I don't know if you know, Amber Young, I know her very okay. well. You know, her very I well. Actually, I actually, um, flew down or I met her in, um, Atlanta this past March herself, myself, and Joanne Jones, who's a hygienist who's big into the oral cancer world, we did a Balscope uh, Be Your Own Hero video. So if you go on Balscope, you'll oh, find us. Wow, I can't wait. That yeah. oh, beautiful. Well, of course, you know, Amber. So again, the two <laughs> of you um, and, and we will we will think of Manu and we will I'd love to share his story. Um, next year when we're giving to the oral cancer cause as well, because this is what this is all about. It's helping people that that need our help. And then we're in the industry to do that. We're caring and and um, we're sending yes. so much love to you. I'm sending you the biggest hug. And I'm and I'm glad that you got a little gift of the the uh, the autumn edition of Do Life today yes. in honor yes. of Matt of That yeah. is um, if that isn't a God wink, I don't know what is. Pearl. I don't know what it is. So, so listen, thank, <laughs> thank you again you. so much. Um, and um, the name of your podcast is? Dr. Dua's, uh, it's Life Interrupted, Dr. Dua's Survival Guide Podcast Companion on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. It's all of it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see you there. And I hope to see you again. And I hope you'll write for us again. Thank you so oh, much today. Sure. And everyone that's listening, we don't know when our life will be interrupted, but the important thing, like Manu, is to keep doing you. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Just Do It podcast, hosted by Anne Duffy. To learn more about dental entrepreneur women, to share your story, or to join the movement, please visit our website, do.life. That is D-E-W dot life. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app to make sure you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, keep doing you.